Right, Jen, we're back, aren't we? We're back. Welcome back, Maureen, to episode two. Season of five. Droughtlander, season yeah. five, or well, of Outlander, but our podcast, Droughtlander, which celebrates and also <laughs> undermines the classic series, Outlander, which we all know and love and love to hate. <laughs> I am now, I am now just... Completely. How, how are you finding season five I so far? I just want it to end. <laughs> Nothing's happened nothing yet. Nothing is happening. What? There's two hours where nothing has happened. They're obviously setting the, setting the scene for whatever happens. I don't, I don't know. There is like nothing really happening, isn't there? The, the, the scene setting could, could, I mean. Could be shorter? Could be shorter. It needn't be two hours. <laughs> Can you imagine if you watched a two-hour film and, and then nothing happened and at the end they were like, well, we're just setting the scene. You'd be like, I'm sorry, mate, but I'm out. But apparently in a 10-part series you can do that. Well, anyway, Maureen, let's kick us off. Let's start what well, happens Well, first of all, you know that uh, Jamie told Murta to keep a low profile, which he doesn't kind of do, does he? Because he, he goes right to the, in a town, Hillsborough, and um, they tar and feather a couple of officials. That was quite... Un- uh, so they, they go into the town, drag out these two... Court officials, English governors or officials of whatever, and uh, tar and feather them, strip them from the waist up, cover them in hot tar. One guy they pour the hot tar over his bald head, and then cover them in feathers. Which I can understand why they were cross. Yeah, because they were making them pay taxes. I mean, no one likes to pay taxes. No, no, less so much the taxing and more the people that were being tarred and feathered. <laughs> they seemed angry, and I could really relate to that. Yeah. Um, I did feel once you're watching men having hot tar poured over them that it kind of undermined <laughs> the argument of the regulators a little bit. <laughs> just to say that you, you that I kind of for lose me, the moral high kind ground. Of lose the moral high ground when you cover someone in hot tar. I mean, that's just me. Call me old fashioned, but that was my strong. Do you know what people are complaining about that on Twitter? Because in, in obviously Murder dies in the books and dies a hero at Culloden, whereas now he's being a bit. You know, perhaps not so heroic, viewed in such a heroic light. No, he seems less heroic now. He <laughs> seems more annoying, actually. But yes, I mean, obviously... the You probably realise he's not going to make it to season six. The tax... <laughs> no, so it's got it all out. The tax burden, obviously, uh, that the um, the Crown uh, uh, enforced on working people uh, at that time was horrific, of course, and um, uh, made it impossible for people to survive and to, to make a living. Nonetheless, yeah. we've established that... that um, Even the French don't do that. That didn't go down particularly well. Anyway, let's move on. So they, we watch these men being tarred and feathered. And then it goes back to Claire, who's in healer mode, and they bring in somebody who's, who's really, really ill, and it turns out that the various cures that the wife has tried has actually killed him So quicker. this guy has got appendicitis, and his wife has given him mercury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's given him mercury and she's been bloodletting, which has basically <laughs> accelerated <laughs> his death. Um, because uh, the bloodletting can cause, you know, obviously infection. And also, because you're basically cutting two open wounds and main arteries on a man's wrist. And also mercury is poisonous. So they, unwittingly, she's killed her husband. Yeah. When he might have he might have been able to be saved. Had they gone to Claire sooner? Had they gone to Claire sooner because of appendicitis? As she, Claire states, sorry, I'm so bored of this. I'm yawning. <laughs> um, as Claire stated, appendicitis is fairly easy um, surgical procedure. 
and would have been, you know, he, his chances of survival would have been a lot higher. Anyway, at this point... What I like about Claire... There's, so there's so much eye-rolling here. Uh, what I like about this point is that Claire doesn't do anything by halves. She decides to give an autopsy. Uh, obviously, people don't know what an autopsy is. They probably... If anybody found out... I mean, you'd be a bit annoyed if you found out your loved one was being cut up without you knowing, wouldn't you? Even today, let alone in the 18th century, they didn't know what autopsies were. Well, yeah. I mean, you're basically defiling the body of your loved of someone's loved one. But anyway... But Claire doesn't let that stop her, obviously. Then there was there was no kind of wake, so no one <laughs> saw the body. They just filled... A, a, there was a funeral, which they filled a coffin full of stones so that Claire could cut a body open. <laughs> now, Claire is not daft. She has witnessed... What's her name? Uh, butchering a... Uh, oh, Marsley. Butchering oh, a deer. first of all, before we get to Marsley butchering a deer, so so Claire has performed an autopsy. I just have to talk this through because this <laughs> really beggars belief. Claire's performed a autopsy. I'm not entirely sure how she's managed to crack, crack open the rib cage quite so easily on her own with no help. What about covering the face when? Um, no, that's what I'm getting, oh, to. You're getting to. So basically, she invites her daughter to come in. We know, right? That there's a dead body in there. And we see her covering the face. the face of the dead body. And she invites her daughter in, Brianna, to see the body. And in my head, I was like, well, obviously she's covering the face of the body because she doesn't want her daughter to see a dead body. And that, as a parent, is what you would do because you want to hide the horrors of a gory, <laughs> exposed body with its intestines hanging out to your child. So she invites Brianna in. She's covered the face of the of the body. But what she hasn't done is covered the part of the body that has been cut open with all of its major organs exposed. So Maureen and I are watching this and I'm like, why did she... Because of all the parts of the body that I would have covered... That would have been it, would it? It wouldn't have been the face. It would have been... <laughs> It would have been the bit with the guts and the intestines hanging out. I mean, call, I mean, again, call me old-fashioned, but that's... I just couldn't even... Have, so Brianna comes in and she's dry rich and goes... Oh. Like, what are you doing, Mum? Don't worry, darling. I've covered the face. The face is covered. I mean, love, that's not the bit I wanted you to cover. His, his face wasn't the offen offensive bit. Anyway, so there, poor Brianna is talking to her mother whilst there is a, a, a body that has been dead for a couple of days, let's be honest. It must be smelling, surely. I mean, you'd think it would smell a bit, plus all of its major organs are exposed. And let's be honest, that can't smell great. He had a massive infection in his stomach. So, and know. he had an infection in his stomach. Anyway, Claire's having a good old chat, as you do, <laughs> over this body. Brianna's like, listen, Mum, if you don't mind, I'm just going to step outside because I feel a bit queasy. <laughs> So anyway, Brianna, in that period of time, whilst they're talking, does say, listen, Mum, I think maybe cutting open a body, I don't think, you know, these people are ready for your jelly, basically. <laughs> I just don't think they're ready for this. And Claire's like, no, no, I, you know, if I cut open the body, then we can find out what's wrong with it. But she knows what's wrong with it anyway. Well, anyway, she did it to find precisely what was wrong with it. But also, she doesn't have any of the medicine, so even if she knows what's wrong, most of the time she can't do anything about it anyway because they don't have antibiotics. Well, let's well, get back to that later. <laughs> For the love of God. No, in the meantime, uh, Jamie is riding, uh, is, is between two fires, as they call it, between uh, two chairs, when he's trying to um, interrogate the, pr the, the, the prison imprisoned regulators. While being theoretically on the side of the British, he's also trying to let the Scots know he's also on their side. So that's 
Isn't he? He's trying to interrogate. So there are and Knox these... doesn't notice his eye movements at all. No, no one no no one notices. Well, to be fair, he's standing behind him. So it'd be a bit difficult for him to see his eye movements unless he has X-ray vision. In his defense, boy. So two guys have been captured after these after these three men have guys. been Oh sorry, three men have been captured after they've been tarred and feathered and they've been imprisoned. And Jamie's terrified that one of them might be murder anyway. Or that they might give away that, you know, he knows because he's pretending he doesn't know murder. Uh, yeah, so these guys come out of prison. They recognise Jamie, or at least two of them do. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jamie's kind of doing the wide eye thing. You know? Very subtle, I am from your ground or something oh, like that, hinting. Wide-eyed face, <laughs> don't tell them I know Murta. Don't tell them that you know me. So they're doing the wide eye thing back, going, what? why are you with the English? Why are you not with Murta? Anyway, long story short, the one of them, one English of them officer... Lippy interrogates one of the regulators who claims to be murder he isn't he, he says oh, do you know where the regulator murder is and he's like i am murder it all got very spartacus and spits <laughs> in the face of this officer who nice. by the way uh we've already established is is forming a f- sort of friendship with jamie yes a, a friendship a of romance um Jamie's so good at flirting with men. He's really just... I mean, it's like Lady Jane Grey all over again, <laughs> except this particular lieutenant, I think, is straight. Who who knows? They all eventually turn. They all turn. Jamie turns them. Jamie turns all... They all go gay. They all go gay for Jay. Anyway, so... <laughs> with a new slogan. <laughs> Are you gay for Jay? Oh, I am gay for Jay. Anyway, so... Um, but Knox get, gets very upset and kills... He kills the soldier, doesn't he? Yeah, so I can't remember exactly what happened. So he's talking to the regulators. He's trying to find out what murder is. He says, I'm not... Cont-. No, then he says, the reg- I'm murder. But then he says something before he spits in his face. Yeah, he says something. I can't remember. He goes... Because uh, the regular says, try saying that when I haven't got my hands tied. And then he says something else. He goes, I'm an officer. And he, or whatever. And he just spat in his face. And then he... And he, he runs skews him. Through, him. Yeah. Skews him with his knife. Uh, sword. sword. He runs him through. Uh which everyone is like horrified shocked, yeah. by, but never, but never, never really too shocked. People are like, oh, that's awful. In much the same way my children are when they find a leaf on their Wellington boot. <laughs> Absolutely horrified, but get over it quite quickly. Once and you then Jamie the kind of pretends that he did it in self-defence, which obviously doesn't go down well with the other regulators. And then later on, of course, Jamie manages to free the other regulators. And what I loved is that there was nobody protecting the guard in the prison. It's a bit like, I think they privatised it to outside contractors, maybe. Yes. G4S or something. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they, there was there was little to no security uh, in a prison, as you'd imagine there wouldn't be. No because, one around. Uh, Jamie managed know, to walk in. It's a laissez-faire, sort of relaxed yeah. vibe. They're yeah. all, door wasn't even They're locked. all playing PlayStation <laughs> and... Um, looking at porn magazines. So it's all very chilled out. Anyway, so Jamie manages to walk in. There's no key necessary for this. No, he just, he just thinks he wedges off the log. He wedges, like it off, he wedges off the log. That is a, that is a, a technical phrase. Um, he wedges off the lock. <laughs> it's very... Crowbar's the lock. Crowbar's yeah, but I mean, it's so easy. And he doesn't do it. It's not like a really hard crowbar. It's not like he goes, oh, oh gosh, this is really tricky. It's but like, Jamie's very just, strong. He just goes, oh, there we go. I mean, I would go back to look at those locks and say maybe we need to work a bit harder on those. Or just put someone on guard. But um, and then he tells them to keep a low profile. Don't 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 let uh, make a trail to Murta, which of course they do. And then they go, but Murta was there, so that shocks them. He didn't realise that Murta was at Hillsborough. So they go they go wandering off. Um, back to Murta actually. Back to Murta. 
at this point, I'm I'm going to be very, very transparent and honest and admit that I zoned out a little <laughs> bit at this point. Now, that's why, Maureen, pick it up, because I don't know if yeah, I you, really it was, remember. It was a bit late. Thing. So the next bit is Roger and Brianna, and I think Roger's feeling a bit more more emasculated than ever because he hasn't gone with Jamie. Jamie's left him to look after the ridge, which is... Um, which is code for, for don't get involved. Don't get involved because you're not up for it. And which then, I think is fine. I, 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 I mean, I'd be up for that. I'd be up for looking after the ridge. To be fair to Roger... He's an Oxford Don. What does they want from that man? And what does he expect from himself? They're doing a practice... Was it practice shooting? Yeah, and Shoot practice? Brianna's very good at shooting and he's not, basically. I mean, he's appalling. He's appalling. She's really, really good. I mean, he's got the eye-hand coordination of, like, me. Like, no. <laughs> um, so so I think it's, it's not helped when your wife is, is a better shot. So, yeah, he's, his penis has shrunk to the size of a button mushroom at this point. He's absolutely emasculated. So he'll get his guitar and out later. He gets his guitar. That is not, not a euphemism. <laughs> He does literally get a guitar out later. There's a lot of guitars in this. If I'd have known, I'd have really... But anyway, then Brianna uh, confronts him with the idea that he wants to go back. But he's not... Which he does. He, which he does. But he doesn't actually... He's kind of a bit... Um, what do you call it? He's not, he doesn't say he really does, but he's kind of... Why would you want to stay in the... Was it 18th century? Why? 18th century... In, in but he's not he's not adamant. He's like, well, you know, I've got you are my family. She's got but my family's here. She goes, no, but you're my family. So this she, she she's brought it out in the open, but um yeah, he's still not too sure. I Why does think. she want to stay? Because she's with her mum and dad. Absolutely horrific time. She's with her mum she's, she's with I must stay in the eighteenth century where I've already been sexually assaulted, uh, you know, witnessed, murdered, kidnapped. I mean, like, can we all just like what? Where he was? Ca- I mean, he was captured by the mo by the, the ho- mohawk. Well, he was sold by Jamie. And he to was the sold into slavery, beaten up, sent on a death march. I know we covered all this in the last episode, and now he's like, do you know what? I kind of really like central heating and indoor plumbing. Indoor plumbing, and you know, I, I don't think central heating existed in the sixties, but yeah, I, I get your point. Well, they had at least hot water. <laughs> yes, I mean that must have come from something. <laughs> Some sort boiler. of boiler. Yeah. Um, so, yes. So so that's that. And then um, Claire gets Marsley to... Uh, she shows Marsley the body, doesn't she? Marsley's a bit shocked because she wants her to be the assistant because she's seen Marsley cutting up deer. All right. Apparently so it's more or less the same thing as a human being. Marsley is skinning a deer or gutting a deer or filleting a deer. Doing something, I don't know. It just seemed quite grim, whatever she was doing. A lot of blood. Claire, of course, is looking at her going, well, if she can do that, what could she do with a human body? Which is obviously what we all think when we go to the butchers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, the way you cut that fillet up. You should be a surgeon. You should be a surgeon. Not... Anyway. So, basically, invites Marcelie to, to to be like her assistant, her, her I don't know, her... I, I suppose what would be a sort of her assistant in a, in her Junior surgery. Doctor. Well, I mean, you know, like I guess I guess a a, a, a a surgeon's nurse or something. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, Marsley thinks she's mad, which is well, about she, the only realistic thing that happens. She in thinks this she's entire... a witch. Maybe she was her mother was. Oh, right you are all. you are witch. But also, as is the way in Outlander, rather than her going, I will have nothing to do with this, which she is goes, what okay. would happen. She's like, oh, okay then. <laughs> um, she comes around very quickly. So, um, cut to 
There's there's more medical news because uh, they're discussing various, uh, Claire's with the women, they're discussing various cures, and Claire realises not only does she have to fight disease in the 19th century, or 18th century, she's also got to fight the cures. So she makes her own little list of things not to do. Because she knows nobody would take advice from a woman, she pretends that they're, it's from a bloke, which is what happened a lot in the 18th century. Mm. You know, women writers used to pretend they were men. Just George Eliot. Yeah. Well, the Brontes originally... Uh, pretend to be men, yeah. Um, and didn't Jane Austen as well? No, I don't think Jane, Jane Austen was... Um, I think she was anonymous. And so was Mary Shelley at the first time. They were both anonymous. They were both anonymous, and everybody thought it was Percy Shelley who wrote Frankenstein when it was, in fact, Mary. But, yeah, so that's the thing that women had to do, is to pretend to be men for people to take them seriously. So uh, that's what Claire's doing. But then I thought, how many people could read in those days? Like she's doing all these notes to give to the settlers, but if they're like... No, I mean, most of them wouldn't be able to read. You're right, that's that's true. Most people can't read. Anyway, look, I mean, we've... I mean, oh, that's all, the least of our worries. Of all the holes in this storyline that we need to, like, expose, that's not <laughs> the biggest one, is it? Anyway, c- continue, please, Maureen. Oh, so then Claire and Roger have a little chat, and surprise... I, this came as a surprise. Claire is recommending to Roger that he, he, he and his missus and the baby go back to the future. Yes, well, because the whole thing has been leading up to Claire realising that... It's dangerous. It's, this is a dangerous time to be alive. And actually, as she said, if little Jamie... Um, is it Jamie? Je- Jemmy, but you were close. Well, uh, Jemmy. I mean, what, what kind of name is that? If he was to even cut himself and get an infection, she might not be able to save him because there's no antibiotics. Which leads Yet. us to... Oh, my God. Do you want to do this bit? Because it's, I think, one of your favourite sections of the, the show. Right. I mean, I, and aren't I clever that I guess what was going on? <laughs> so Claire has baked a lot of bread. In one night. I mean, she's like Hovis. I, I mean, I, literally, there are, there are huge... Hundreds of loaves. There are bakers with several ovens who couldn't bake as much bread as she has in a night. I don't know how many ovens she's got. Claire is very efficient. about 50 loaves of bread. I'm not exaggerating. By the way, they're all perfect. Yeah. Not not a sort Have you ever made bread? I made bread once. I could have mucked some bread I mean, uh, the bread that I made, I was like, I'm not sure what shape this is supposed to be. It it was more than one shape. The bread looks lovely. The bread is perfect. It's round. It's like the kind of bread that you'd get in a artisan bakery which is nothing if not um expensive well i mean she's got many strings to her bow is what i meant was trying to say so there's young claire and she is got a hunk of bread which she's tearing apart and placing into lots of little i suppose wooden uh plates with glass glass jars from? from i don't know where she got these from no one's questioned that I think they're the things that you put for lamps. Oh. You know, when you put a lamp and then you put the glass over it so that it Well, anyway, she's got glows. an endless supply. She doesn't seem to have a problem with... They must have a Walmart nearby. Something like that, or, or Woolworths or something. So she's got at least 20 of these, and she's placing a hunk of bread underneath, and she's putting it into another room, and Brianna walks in, and Brianna's like, what are you doing, mother? And Claire says, well... I am going to grow my own penicillin. You know, this might be a good tip, because once Brexit happens, we might need to do that. I was going to say, we'll all be growing our own antibiotics <laughs> very soon, because we won't be able to access them ourselves. So, <laughs> I mean, we're laughing, but that's probably quite We're true. laughing, that we'll all be like with the same humorous growth. Looking, looking at Claire going, how did she do it again? Quick, put outline to back on, I need to figure out how to make penicillin. So, um, anyway, so Brianna says, listen, you know, penicillin won't be invented for another hundred years. 
157, actually, says Claire. Uh, she's not going to let that bother her. She's going to make her own penicillin or at least be able to find a strain of antibiotic that she can make from bread. It's something to keep in mind, everybody. Uh, don't throw out that loaf of bread if it's gone a bit mouldy. Make your own antibiotics with it. So, uh, and also she's saying, I want to get scraps of food from um, the other settlers. and we can, won't, They won't find that weird. They won't find that weird. And we'll be able to make a strain of something. Anyway, Brianna is looking at her mum, quite rightly, like, mum, you've lost the plot. Perhaps going back to the future is a good idea. Claire is giddy with her own amazing idea. And then what happens? And then uh, you see, because obviously, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, God. Brianna's been having flashbacks to Stephen Bonnet. Roger's been unaware of this. And then Roger finds the oh, drawings. Before, wait, before Roger finds the drawings, Roger is sitting outside their lovely hut. <laughs> singing with his singing guitar. Singing a... What was the song that he was singing? Oh, something, I don't know, 1960s song. Some song. Anyway, it's a song of their modern age. Um, it's very good with the guitar. He hasn't got a dreadful voice. He's got no, quite no, a good no. voice. And uh, anyway, that uh, was just to remind us, in case we'd forgotten that they're from the future. <laughs> Chloe watched a little bit of the show with us last night. And it was very surprised. And was like, so wait a second, are they from the future? I said, yes. Well, they didn't make that clear in the first episode. And Chloe had watched the previous episode and was like, well, I don't understand because they didn't reference that in the last episode. I said, Chloe, if you're five series in, <laughs> the showrunners are going to assume that you know that they're from the future. If, if they have to constantly reference it, then they're not doing... They're, they haven't done their job properly. She was very upset about that. Well, they didn't reference that at all in the first episode. Well, I mean... In fact, they did, actually. I don't... I mean, we didn't argue, did we? We didn't argue. We just let Chloe get on with it. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so Roger finds out that she's been drawing um, like really nightmarish pictures of Stephen Bonnet and realises that she's still traumatised by it, which kind of spoils the moment when he sees, because well, Jemmy walks for the first time. So Brianna's really happy and Roger's pretending to be happy, but he clearly realises this is for the first time that his wife is still traumatised. And also that his son is... Uh, Possibly not the, his son. Well, not that his son possibly isn't his son. His son isn't his son, is he? It could be, because they're both... She had sex with both of them on the same night. Oh. So we don't... And he's looking at his son thinking... And his son is blonde-looking, isn't it? I imagine a lot of kids are blonde-looking when they... I was... I all So many children are blonde, I was when, blonde. They're, when they're born, and then they get dark hair. And then the next bit, actually, because I'd seen this before, I let Jen watch by, my, by herself, because I knew what was coming up. The next bit, there's a big fight between two women... So there's, yeah, so that's the new thing. So two women are going at each other. I don't mean like wrestling. They are punching the punching living the shit sh- out of each other. other. And men are waging on it. Men profiting from women's misery. What a surprise. And, um, and we see Stephen Bonnet, so he's all dandy, isn't he? All, he's all done up. Stephen Bonnet is being introduced to uh, that chap who was trying to woo uh, Brianna. Yes, the ex-Hobbit. The Hobbit. And uh, Mr. Forbes, Mr. Forbes, and he's been told uh, that Stephen Bonnet is a very useful man to know because he can get stuff into the country and avoid the um, tax man. Yeah, the, avoid the uh, very expensive levies that the crown place on all um, imports. You see, this is the difference. So the poor are being penalised, whereas the rich get round the tax. Yeah, laws and... I mean that's exactly what's happening now. So uh, that happens, and then. Maureen. So then, so then we establish that Stephen Bonnet has now made his way up, and he's now he's doing in, very in well di- for himself. He's working in different circles, like in the sort of upper echelons of British uh, colonial society, society. colonial society. Then um, 
a wager is made and the chap, uh, Stephen Bonnet makes the correct wager. The whole way through, we're seeing these two women fight. There's one that's definitely looking like she's going to win. And then he makes a wager. And suddenly, on the other one that doesn't look like she's going to win. Suddenly she wins. And she wins. And a chap turns around and goes... It's a fix. It is a fix. You got her to dive at that point. And um, I would rather win... Honestly. Honestly, than... Uh, I'd rather, yeah, or anyway, basically calls Stephen Bonnet a liar. Which and, he is. Uh, and a, a thief. And uh, Stephen Bonnet says, fight. you've insulted my honour, so we must fight, which they do. And let's not forget that a lot of fighting um, ended is if you yielded, you, you wouldn't the necessarily, was, you wouldn't have to die. The form was, and the other person would accept the yield. Yes, but the point is, is that you've lost and you still lose a little bit of your honour or whatever. Yeah. It's a bit of an embarrassment for you. But you don't. But you don't do not die. So they're fighting. The fight doesn't go on for long. Very quickly, Stephen Bonnet um, cuts this chap the behind the back of his knees, uh, and he shouts, "Yield!" Oh, one thing to remember is that um, prior to the fight, um, he had insulted Stephen Bonnet by saying, "My eye, damn my eyes!" Oh, I didn't. Damn your eyes, sir. Oh, I didn't get that. Damn one. your eyes, sir. Um, uh, he had said to him when he called him a liar. Can we get this bit open somewhere? So basically, me? anyway, long story short, um, the guy, rather than uh, accepting the... the, the um, blinds him. The yield. Uh, Stephen Bonnet grabs him from behind, um, holds him by the head, grabs his sword and cuts into his face, across his nose, right in so that the sword pierces both of his eyes and blinds him. And the other two chaps say, why didn't you just let, why didn't you just kill him rather than mutilate him like that? And Stephen Bonnet says, well, I'm a father now. So he's, that was his way of being compassionate now that he's a father. Uh, and he walks out of this fight looking very smug and very pleased with himself. And we are under no illusions that he is going to look for his son. Yeah, that doesn't bode well for Brianna and Roger, does it? And that is, is that the end of the episode? Yeah. And that is the end of the episode. And that, I mean, that last minute and a half was about the only bit where anything happened. And let's be honest, it was quite unpleasant. Yeah, that's why I left you to watch it by yourself. Maureen went, I've got to go now. I was like, I hate it when Maureen does that because I know something <laughs> awful's going to happen. <laughs> go get the hall. I'm going to go outside now. You'll understand why in a minute. <laughs> oh, Maureen, come back. Hey, oh, I can hear you. Why are you going? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Maureen, why are you going? Oh, my God. <laughs> This is so gross. <laughs> I think, I think when I said blinded both of them, I thought he blinded him in one. No, well, the, well, that oh, was no, 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 no. Anyway, fine. yeah, he did. He blinds him in both So, eyes. anyway, on that chilly, ch- cheerful note, um, so what do you think what season three, what episode three will bring us? I think there's going to be, James got to go back, he's got to go back and p- get more men. I think Roger's going to get involved. And, and then the girl, oh, we're yeah, we left did. alone with Stephen Bonnet. We forgot to mention the f- fact of that he needs more men. So he's got to go back so to the ridge and get more men. He's got to get more men to fight the regulators and mur- to protect his land. Murder's land. getting hard times from the other regulators who think that James is a traitor. And Murder's like, no. Oh, yeah, we just, got that bit as well. Yeah, it was a bit boring. Now. It, but no, he's, you know, he's just he's trying to protect his Jamie's people. protecting his people and I'm protecting mine. And, you know, we need an, you know... Cross paths, sort of thing. Do you think they're going to drag this regulator thing out for the whole season? Oh, it feels like it. I'm so bored of it. Also, I'm kind of wishing Murta wasn't in this series. Yeah, you know what? I really wanted him wanted him to survive, but now I think because the books were written with no place for him, it's, it's kind of... This regulator bit, I'm just like, I'm yeah. bored of it. I mean, I don't care. 
I, I don't know what I want from this series, but whatever I want, it, they're not delivering. Well, you never know, because sometimes, with this, often with Outland, like, part of the season is a bit rubbish and the, other, and the rest of it is really good. Like, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, season for... two, first bit was rubbish and then they got back to Scotland and then it was great. And then season three, a bit in Scotland was brilliant. And then, do you know what I mean? It's Yeah, yeah. It's hard, and then season it? four was all rubbish. And then season <laughs> five... <laughs> looking the same well, so season, season one was fantastic. Well, we're a long way from season one, uh, Maureen. We're several thousand hours but, away. But, you know, from... they're producers now, aren't they, um, Katrina and uh, Sam? So we'll see, let's see what happens. I know, but I mean, you know, there's like 28 producers on this show, so I'm sure they're just producers in terms of the fact that they're getting a bit of the back end rather yeah, than any real enough. sort of involvement. Look, I don't know. I don't care. Just do something about this bloody show and make it better. That's my advice to anyone involved in this series. Oh, that's that's a brilliant advice. Well, it's, particularly as it's already been made. <laughs> it's already done. I once got that as an cooked. acting tip where the guy could you uh, could you just be better? And I was like, well, that yeah, that really helps me, mate. Well, I mean, I just go back and listen to all the other podcasts that we've uh, done about how crap this series is. Oh, it's not crap. It's... It is crap, Maureen. It's crap. <laughs> it's it's almost unwatchable. Weirdly, we're not the official podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost unwatchable. <laughs> it's funny how um, they're not promoting this podcast, the Atlanta team. <laughs> well, it might get better, Maureen. We'll see. We'll I mean, see. you know. Once you know, they start, I don't know what they're going to start doing. But, anyways. But I like that you're constantly positive. Even when you're not particularly enjoying it, that this series is worth continuing. Well, yeah, but I, but I presume that Roger and Brianna are going going to go back at some point, aren't they? That's going to be... The rush to the stones or something. I don't know where this whole thing is going anymore. So then they go back and then what? We don't see them anymore? No, then I think they come back again. And then they, they come, come back, back again. again. Why do they come back again? I, don't know, I haven't read the books. Oh, God. I just... Do you know when you get to a point where you go, I don't care. Figure out where you want to be. It's hard enough trying to work out your life in one time zone. Flitting about from time zone to time zone. Anyway, good luck to them. We'll see. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I've enjoyed ranting ranting about it. Um, And she's very looking forward to next Monday's show. I'm very looking forward to next Monday's (laughs) show. I'm very am. I very am. Well, Maureen, this has been Droughtlander. Okay, I've been Maureen Younger. I've been Jen Brister. And we will be back next week. I bet you can't wait. (laughs) For the 11 people that listen. (laughs) Bye. Bye.